New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Rick Hansen, and he's the author of Neurodharma, New Science, Ancient Wisdom, and Seven Practices of the Highest Happiness. Rick, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's great. I'm looking for some juicy meals. Oh, yes. Me too. Me too. (laughs) So why this book now? Mm. Why Neurodharma now? A lot has been written about ancient wisdom, but you are really updating this for these times. So explain to us why you've written this and taken the time to lay this out for us. It's a great question. I think there's several answers to the why, why now. So one is that this is my sixth book, and I wanted to write a kind of culmination book that summarizes the most powerful wisdom teachings I know, combined with the coolest, latest brain science I know, and applied in effective personal practice that people can engage for some minutes every day, ballpark. Second is that why now is this interest in the upper reaches of human potential, feeling as happy and strong, loving, peaceful and wise as a person can ever be. That's been a perennial interest. Aldous Huxley talks about the perennial philosophy, as you know, in his book. And so I think that there's always been an interest in the upper reaches of human potential, but two more whys, now more than ever, first, Many people have a little bit of practice under their belt, and they're looking around and thinking, what next? You know, okay, great, I'm no longer miserable. Okay, great, I'm no longer, you know, cranky at other people. But what's really possible for me in this life in terms of a bone-deep sense of wellness and well-being, even amidst life's challenges? So this book's for them. It's very inviting to a beginner, and it's very strong. It's a strong guide to intermediate to advanced practice. And then the other reason, I'll just tell you right now, is I'm sick and tired myself about the kind of sometimes deliberate infusion of ugliness and tawdry concerns and nastiness into our culture. And a lot of people just kind of hunker down, especially when the politics news starts coming at them, and they kind of tune out. And I think it's really important. It's almost, it's kind of revolutionary. It's certainly rebellious to dust off the vision of the highest possibilities in the face of political forces. They want to divide us and alarm us and force us into very narrow preoccupations with immediate survival. That reminds me of the saying, despair is not an option. That's beautiful. You know, because the way all this news comes at Mm -hmm. us, it it feels very confrontive and it's very uh, debilitating if we allow it. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to just go into despair and say, oh, what can I do? I'm just a little person. I can't make a difference. And yet your whole book here 
is really talking about staying engaged, mm-hmm. but with a certain kind of sensibility. That's right. I mean, can you describe that as staying engaged? Right. Well, uh, one way to put it is the classic balance of compassion and equanimity. To have a heart that's wide open enough to include the whole world, 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, while also stable enough to not be overwhelmed by it, which would then close up the heart when it's overwhelmed. That's what it does. So that's one way of talking about it. Another way of talking about it is courage. How do we retain courage in the face of challenges and in the face of people and forces who want to frighten us or make us doubt the evidence of our own eyes? How do we have the courage to stand up for what is good and stand against what is not helpful, while at the same time having an inner freedom, having an inner peace in the core of our being. Because being realistic about it, and I say this not in any way, shape, or form to diminish this, the truth is most of the people who've lived in the last 10,000 years have lived under the thumb of some authoritarian asshole. And not to diminish the impact of those kings, rarely, occasionally queens, thugs, warlords, dictators of various stripes, people live their lives. They raised their children. They tried to stay happy with their partner. They enjoyed a glass of wine or a cup of tea. Uh, They looked at a sunset. They wondered what was more than immediate reality when they maybe looked up at the stars. And I think we can take courage from their example as well. It doesn't mean to make our times any less frightening, but it's to realize that, you know, common humanity, they too dealt with a lot of ugliness. And a lot of the ugliness they dealt with was worse than what we're dealing with today. And we can buck up. We can step up. Yeah. Take heart. Find heart in each other and in ourselves. And the root of my own capacity, and I think that of many, many other people, probably you as well, Justine, to take heart and find heart and stand up for others is grounded fundamentally in your own personal practice and the fruits of your practice over the years. What this book's about is about practice and the fruits of practice and drawing on those fruits, uh, whether it's at work or at home or in the streets in terms of social justice. And I know that that because you're so interested in neuroscience, Mm -hmm. when you talk about practice, you're actually talking about changing the structure of the brain. You bet. Can you describe that a little bit to us? Because that's very exciting. It's to realize that there are little things we can do every day. There's a wonderful proverb. In Buddhism, maybe I'll share it at the very end, that's short, it's very short, and it just really summarizes this. There are little things we can do every day to help ourselves have, and then especially grow from, experiences of grit, determination, steadiness, mindfulness, compassion, self-compassion, gratitude, insight, delight and awe, etc., etc. And as we grow from, these experiences. And in the book, I talk about how to actually do this, how to actually do what's called self-directed neuroplasticity, where you're really taking charge of the brain change process from the inside out yourself. As you do this, you develop traits 
You move from states to traits. You move from experiencing to learning, in the broadest sense, learning, social, emotional, spiritual, somatic learning. Then you carry the fruits with you more and more wherever you go. So your happiness, your love, your wisdom, your inner peace is increasingly unconditional. It's not based on external conditions. You feel them. You care about children who are hungry or locked up in cages. You know, your heart is touched, but you feel a deep centered capacity to be with what's there without being defeated by it. When you talk about this, you're talking about it as we do this practice, it's installed mm. in the body. Yeah, it's not just a mental concept you're talking about. Totally. You're changing neural circuitry. You're, you're forming new connections between neurons. You're sensitizing or weakening existing connections. You're bringing more blood to parts of your brain that are doing things you want them to keep on doing, like, for example, sustaining a steady presence of mind. Your entire body, you bet, outside the nervous system, I mean, beyond the brain, you're developing little what are called somatic markers. The feeling in your body when you respect yourself or when you feel like, hey, my needs matter just like other people's in this family. What's that feel like in your body? And yeah, exactly. And more and more, you take your gains with you wherever you go. I think a lot of people have had the experience, they, they listen to a program or they do a meditation or they talk with a friend. It feels great in the moment. But half an hour later, they're as tense, angry, stressed, upset as ever before. There's no lasting gain. And I'm really interested in how to actually change the brain in lasting ways so that the experiences we have sink in deeply. And more and more, they're established in you. You know, they don't, they don't leave. And they live you. And one of the big practices is not being attached to the outcome. Mm. I mean, we do have a preference mm. yeah. and all of that. Yeah. But when we get too limited in how we see it can turn out, maybe mm. it can turn out much bigger than what we possibly imagined. So maybe it's better to keep that open. I don't know. What do you think? I like the phrase, can we be at peace no matter what happens? Because attachment, you know, I'm an old rock climber and not climbing too much anymore, but I know what it's like to be attached to a finger hold that yeah. I don't want to let go of or yeah. attached to my kid's hand yeah. in a busy street so he doesn't run out in front of a bus or something. So there's, there's a place for determination, fieriness, fierce protectiveness. There's a place for these things. There's a place for tenacity. I, you know, I've worked pretty hard over the last 15 years, particularly as a lot of things have taken off for me. There is a place for tenacity that said... Can we still be at peace with the results? And I like this metaphor that you can water the fruit tree. That's on you, but it's, it's on the tree to give you an apple. In other words, you can't control the result. There are so many causes that determine the outcome that are beyond you know, your own control. So, for example, I hope you like me. I hope you think this is a good interview. But if you don't, you know, I could live with it. I hope that... Certain things will happen politically in my country in the coming election. And fundamentally, no matter what happens, I want to find a way to sustain a, a resilience and a well-being and um, an undefeated capacity to be helpful for other people. Right? That's what I mean by being at peace with yes. whatever happens, even as 
my heart would be deeply, deeply heavy. Exactly. And I know that you bring up with the subtitle of the book, Seven Practices of the Highest Happiness. Mm -hmm. And you really go through these seven practices that are very beneficial. And they're not just superficial, sort of, okay, this might make your life a little bit easier. This is changing your brain. This is going for the gold, really, the big the biggies. It's kind of like reverse engineering. You know, you want to get good at golf. So you study somebody, I don't know, Tiger Woods, I don't golf. So, but you study that person and then you imagine, oh, what would it be like to be more like them? When I hang out with people that are, for me, wiser than I am, they're more peaceful than I am, or they're more permeable to the divine, maybe, than I am, I want to study them. And I want to imagine, how do you do that? It's kind of like empathic imagination. And then I work backwards. And frankly, based on what I know and what we can all know about the brain, I look at them and I go, what's going on in your brain that lets you do that? That lets you uh, be untroubled when people are actually pretty mean to you. And you're not suppressing it. You're genuinely untroubled by it. And you genuinely still have compassion for them while genuinely not taking it seriously. How do you do that? How do you do that? And and, how, <laughs> and, and they're continuing to be effective in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I want to study what's going on. You know, there's a lot we don't know. Neuroscience is a baby science. I think it's important to not overclaim. I try to avoid that. The book is highly referenced. There are tons of reference mm-hmm. notes buried in the back so they don't get in your way. But you can always look at it if you want to know yeah. what the evidence is for what I'm saying. But you're exactly right. How do they have an amygdala that doesn't react so intensely to stimuli that are unpleasant? How do they have a hippocampus and other systems in the brain that very rapidly put things in context? So they have like a bird's eye view, big picture perspective, rather than getting sucked into the one light that's flashing red, you know, on the inner dashboard. How do they do that? And then working backwards, and I'm just giving one tiny little example, we can think, oh, how can I develop an amygdala that's less grumpy, that's less reactive to um, unpleasantness? And how do I develop an amygdala, which some people do, that's more focused on opportunities? Unless obsessed endlessly with ruminating about threats. And then I think of the, the advice of the Dalai Lama when someone asked him years ago when I was with him, saying, oh, I don't understand why you are continuing to work for peace, and especially in Tibet, and, yeah. and your people are really under extreme conditions. And he just said, well, you know, I mean, I wake up in the morning and it makes me happier, you know, to to do what's right and good for me to do, yeah. not because I understand the outcome. That's exactly you know? right. And Water the fruit tree. Make your offering, right? Tend make, to the causes you can, right? There's this line from Fern Hill, beautiful poem by Dylan Thomas. Um, these words are laid out on top of his tombstone in Westminster Cathedral. And the lines are, time held me green and dying, although I sang in my chains like the sea. (gasps) Oh, magnificent. So true. Let's all sing in our chains like the sea. Yes, magnificent image. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick, again. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Justine. For, so much fun. Oh, it was so great for to be with you once more. I've been here with Dr. Rick Hansen, and he's the author of Neurodharma, New Science, Ancient Wisdom, and Seven Practices of the Highest Happiness. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, rickhansen.net. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.